Treks in Sci-Fi podcast number 657 for November 5th, 2017. everyone this is uh jeff uh jedi jeff as well and uh welcome to the treks and sci-fi podcast uh this week i'm guest hosting again uh rico asked me if i would uh be open to uh guest hope guest hosting again and i said yeah sure and um guess what i'm going to talk more about ships um it seems to be kind of a um frequent topic of mine um, but, uh, something I always kind of enjoy, uh, discussing and I always, um, thankful that, uh, Rico gives me a chance to, uh, to, uh, kind of, uh, share some of my thoughts on, on some, uh, different ships and I look forward to doing that again, uh, this week. Um, first off, I'm just going to, um, start off and I'm going to play a recent, um, television trailer for the, uh, new Star Wars movie coming out in uh, December, um, The La Last Jedi. I'm pretty sure um, everyone is familiar with that movie coming out, and uh, so I probably don't need to, uh, you know, talk too much about what, uh, you know, Star Wars is. I don't need to talk about it at all, because everyone knows what it is. But anyways, um, I'm just going to uh, play the trailer, and then um, I'm going to come back and just uh, kind of give a few uh, thoughts I have on uh, the trailer here. Let the past die. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be. Darkness rises. And light to meet it. I need someone to show me my place in all this. Come on! is not going to go the way you think. So uh, some of my thoughts on these uh, new um, kind of uh, TV spot that we got for um, the, the Last Jedi, which is uh, coming out again, as I said, uh, in December. Um, looks like, um, you know, for, for the most part, um, we got a lot of... Uh, we got a lot of... Uh, footage that we've already seen so far in uh in uh the previous trailers um but we also got some new footage uh, uh mainly it looked like uh some footage um with uh luke on the uh, millennium falcon um which is kind of uh cool and then also we got looks like some um some further footage um with uh snoke and in some sort of um like some sort of uh broom or or temple or i'm not sure i suspect it's on a on on a, a big giant uh, star destroyer or something like that because it seems like um seems like that's what they uh they kind of indicate that he kind of travels around in a uh in a in a big star destroyer or something like that so i assume that uh this this room is is 
is on one of those ships. And then also it looks like we got a few other shots here and there. Uh, looks like uh, some shots of um, Finn. Looks like um, flying a, a ski speeder, I think, is um, what those ships are. So it looks like he'll be involved in that uh, battle on Crate. Um, like I say, so I must admit, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this movie. Um, like I say, I, I felt, though, maybe... Maybe I've seen a little too much of these trailers that I almost feel like I'm feeling like I'm seeing I'm seeing acts from like all parts of the movie. I'm feeling it, it looks like the sense I'm getting is, you know, like say the stuff with uh, Ray and Luke on Octu is probably um, near the start of the movie. And then I'm, I'm kind of feeling that this uh, crate attack um between the uh, the um, First Order and the um, Resistance, I'm feeling that must be uh, kind of like the uh, third act of the movie um, is is a sense I'm getting. And then, um, so I'm feeling like I'm seeing maybe too much of this movie, um, which, I don't know, I guess uh, for me, I'd like to go in there a little less, uh, maybe with a little less information. So maybe I'll, I'll have to, you know, maybe stop, um, you know, following as much of the um much of the uh trailers and the other promotion that they're putting out there i felt um to me i felt a little spoilery in that in the sense that um with luke and the uh falcon it almost feels like maybe in that previous trailer we had where it showed the uh falcon uh, flying through kind of the center of the planet and it kind of indicated that uh chewy was in the co-pilot seat that someone else was flying the falcon and um you know, I guess maybe again it could be misdirection, um, but my guess is it will probably either be Luke or possibly Poe, maybe. That's my thoughts of who might be uh, um, flying the ship in those scenes. Though in the previous trailer, they kind of uh, uh, they kind of showed a scene of uh, Poe kind of uh, exiting a, a ski speeder during, uh, I'm assuming, that battle, so possibly if the falcon flying through the 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 planet at that time is happening similar to when that battle is going on then maybe it's not poe and then maybe my thought of maybe luke flying the ship uh, uh might be the case um but uh i guess that's a bit of speculation but um i don't know i i felt like maybe i'm getting maybe a little too much uh, information and then also, too, kind of watching these trailers, I know a lot of people kind of um, are thinking possibly that this movie might be have some of the beats of uh, The Empire Strikes Back, and and you're certainly kind of getting getting that feeling. At least I am. You know, um, you know, you know, you got the training. You know, Ray getting trained by Luke. It seems like you know maybe Luke is a bit um, maybe he's not as um, you know, he seems to be coming across um, maybe a little more, um, you know, unwilling, I guess, to uh, uh, train Ray. Um, likewise, when he got trained by Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, uh, you know, Yoda has a, had a bit of resistance uh, at the start of the movie, or at the start when they first uh, started the training, but uh, seemed like, uh, you know, they kind of got into a groove with this, where from the clips I've seen so far of... Um, of uh, Ray and and Luke, it seems like um, seem at much more at odds with each other. So I'm I'm just wondering if you know if that's kind of 
throughout the training that that that's kind of the the tone or if it just kind of I get the feeling maybe it just gets you know they get a bit more disagreeable with each other as the training goes on and um I part of me too I also got this feeling that uh, maybe this will again have some maybe Empire Strikes Back um similarities and maybe you know Ray goes off to maybe help uh Finn um and the resistance maybe against uh Luke's uh better judgment or best wishes and then maybe Luke is um then following her after to you know you know try and um prevent things from happening I almost I get the feeling uh, I could be completely wrong with this again like I said, I'm trying to keep away from spoilers but I get the feeling that maybe Luke and Ray might not be leaving act 2 together um possibly this is again just a gut feeling I have based on some of the visuals we saw that possibly um Luke's X-wing um it, it seemed like from some of the visuals that it might be below some sort of uh, lake or river and um or ocean or something like that and maybe Ray salvages it and takes the X-wing and then maybe Luke follows her in the um in the Millennium Falcon but um again that's all just speculation on my part but uh Certainly interesting, and then just some of the stuff that uh, Snoke was talking about in regards to um, light and dark, and I'm feeling that maybe the reason why Snoke was looking for Luke um, more so wasn't because he wanted to, you know, distinguish or extinguish, I guess, the um, the light side in the galaxy, but maybe he... Maybe he pulls strength from kind of the conflict between the dark and the light and maybe, you know, him kind of being a driving force behind the um, First Order and all that. Maybe that's more so to just kind of create this this larger scale conflict in the uh, galaxy um, to maybe just fuel his, um, his uh, you know, his force connection maybe. Again, this is all just speculation on my part. I'm probably like way, way, way off and way, way, way wrong. And, uh, you know what? I hope, you know, I'm really hoping I am actually because, uh, you know, I'd really like to go into the movie and, uh, you know, kind of get some surprises and, uh, things kind of play out maybe not as I expected. So, um, I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, I think I'll leave it at that in regards to my, um, talk about, uh, the trailer and, um, how I feel about it. Um, um, since this is a podcast where I'm talking about ships and things like that, um, I'm just going to briefly talk a little bit about some of the ships that we have seen in, uh, like say, that we've kind of seen in the um, trailer uh, so far and kind of all the promotional information and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to just talk a bit about those, a few of the new ships in the, uh, the Star Wars movie and uh, kind of a few of my thoughts on them. Um, first, I'll talk a little bit about um, the uh, Kylo Ren's uh, TIE silencer. Like I say, we really don't have a lot of information on on these ships yet, so um, I'm hoping maybe in the uh, new year I can um, have another podcast, maybe uh, get a couple of the other uh, 
get a couple of the other, um, you know, listeners in or whatever to uh, discuss it like we have in the past, like, um, and uh, maybe go into a little more uh, deeper and have a better, you know, deeper discussion when we have more details around it. But uh, first off, like I say, uh, Kylo Ren's uh, tie silencer, um, like, you know, just from uh, first first blush, it's like, you know, it's very derivative of the um, tie interceptor, which is, I will say is my favorite uh, um, tie class. I always was a big fan of the uh, tie interceptor, so it's it's um, it's derivative of that. Um, like say, so it caught my eye that way. It also too um, has a lot of uh, similarities to his. Uh, Kylo's uh, shuttle from the uh, Force Awakens, and it's got kind of that kind of uh, low rectangular profile to it. Um, so that's it's kind of an interesting ship. Um, like I said, I'm just looking at a bit of the uh, details on it, and um, again, I don't want to get too deep into it because um, this is just some information. It may change possibly when we start seeing the. Um, you know, the technical uh, books and all that come out, but uh, they're kind of indicating that it's, uh, what is it? It's called the TIE slash VN um, Space Superiority Fighter. Um, they kind of indicated that uh, it's got some laser cannons and missile launchers um, and that it's about um, 7.6 meters in width. Um, length is about uh, 17.4 meters and height is about uh, 3.7 meters but again we'll see we'll see once the books come out uh, what the actual specs are on it I'm looking forward uh, more to hearing about that but um, for now we only have like very basic details on it um, again uh, like I say I'm I'll have to really see it in the movie to get a really good sense of it. Um, I must admit, um, I don't find myself overly drawn to the um, to the these kind of new vehicles that we've kind of seen in the um, in in these new kind of sequel movies. Like, um, like say, I, something about the First Order vehicles. Like, I know they're kind of inspired or influenced off of what the Empire um, had and. In a sense, they're kind of um, building up upon those ships, but maybe because I've had like 40 years of like original trilogy Imperial uh, ships that um, I'm just so so used to those that um, these new ships, I just I have a tough time warming up to them, and um, like say, like I. Th- I think I'll probably like this one probably more than I I like the uh, just the the first order Tie Fighters, um, but again I'll have to really see the movie to really get a, a good sense for it. The next ship I guess another first order ship and it's not a space uh, faring vehicle but it's another um, kind of um, you know um, all terrain um, kind of transport type ship or all terrain vehicle or you know an ATAT I guess. Um, you know, um, Imperial Walker. I guess these are first, first order heavy assault walkers, and that's the ATM six, which is the all-terrain mega caliber six. And um, you know what? Um, I'll be honest. I don't really like this ship. It just seems like it. It gives me the same sense that I felt when I saw that uh, 
J.J. Abrams, um, uh, Kelvin Enterprise, uh, you know, like the USS Enterprise, like his kind of those movies type take on it. This this Walker kind of feels. I get the same feeling. It just you know, like all the uh, like say, it just seems so much more bulky and has so much stuff appended to it that like say just visually to me it just like say I just I just can't really warm up to it and I'm not sure like say unless it does something like really interesting in the in the movie like say I'm just not sure if I'll ever really care for this this uh this walker all that much like I I guess um it's kind of hard for me to kind of uh, maybe um explain this a little bit um but uh like i find uh you know some of the designs in um in these new star wars movies um i feel like maybe they're trying to make something which might be explained more in the real world and i'm feeling that this um this walker is, is some sort of attempt at that like again for sure like say i don't think like a a walker such as this would really have a place in like our, you know, just normal day-to-day life, like uh, some sort of uh, piece of uh, equipment anywhere. But um, like just the whole kind of front leg, which looks like it would kind of allow it to, I guess, maybe climb something or maneuver around a bit more. Or I think as well, too, it also might help it kind of um, because it's got some sort of big kind of cannon or something like that. Um, in its in its body that maybe that helps it um, kind of stabilize itself or something like that to to fire that off um, like say maybe that's where the you know that that type of um, you know those legs come into play but just visually to me this really I'm having a really tough time you know like just really warming up to it so we'll have to see um, again not really much details on this uh, ship so i guess we'll have to see and hopefully when you know some books and all that come out uh, there'll be more details on these ships and these vehicles um but right now they're pretty um pretty thin which is understandable like say you're not going to want to kind of show your cards uh the final the final ship i'm going to talk about uh so far that we've kind of seen in the promotional materials is the uh, the uh, a resistance ship the uh, it's like a heavy bomber ship that we're kind of seeing at the uh, the battle of I, I I think they they're kind of indicating that this is going to happen at the the battle of Dakar I think um, or the evacuation of Dakar that was the um, that's where the resistance base was in um, in uh, the Force Awakens so I, I'm assuming again maybe at the uh, start of this uh, movie. Um, which we've seen a lot of clips that uh, the the first order, I guess, um, they uh, define the resistance base, and I guess, uh, um, I guess the the resistance, I guess, have to um, book it out out of there. And uh, so, like, say we've seen in some of the uh, trailers already, like these big kind of resistance kind of bombers. Um, they're they're kind of these big kind of. I don't know, it's hard to explain. They're kind of a 
they've got kind of a big angular or they got a roundish kind of top and then they've got like kind of a big kind of post or something like that which kind of stretches down reminds me a bit of, of um, some of those mon calamari um ships that we saw in the um return of the jedi um they they kind of feel reminiscent reminiscent of that um so it looks like maybe they um they might even use that kind of that uh, like say it's kind of this vertical kind of um vertical uh downward kind of like poster i'm not sure i'm blanking on the word here but uh, i think they might that might be where they might store some of the you know kind of the armaments and, and bombs and all that kind of stuff and and um they have a bunch of turrets and things like that and they refer to this as a bsf 17 heavy bomber and um i'll be honest that um i actually have the three ships that i've spoken about this is probably the one that uh i like the most and i've i've found in all these new star wars movies that we've gotten in this kind of disney era that um i'm, I'm not sure if i'm overly crazy about the designs of these ships but I found, for the most part, I kind of prefer either the Rebellion ships or the Resistance ships. Uh, for so, like I say in the Force Awakens, I seem to, I seem to like the whatever Resistance uh, ships that they had in that movie. Um, those ones, um, kind of uh, those ones, I, I seem to gravitate more to. And then likewise in uh, Rogue One. Um, kind of the new ships that we got introduced to i i think like the u-wing was the one i i kind of liked the most and i could kind of um rationalize that one in the kind of star wars universe whereas some of the other ships i had a difficult time with um so with this heavy bomber uh this is kind of the uh it's kind of um Again, I, I kind of like that design. Again, it kind of got a very Mon Calamari, Return of the Jedi kind of feel to it. Um, I've always been kind of a really big fan of the B-Wing from um, Return of the Jedi. And so kind of when I was looking at the ships so far, like uh, this was kind of the one which kind of jumped out at me first. And then I usually like to buy a few, um, you know, model ships or whatever from... The different movies and this will probably be one that i'll pick up in some form uh like say and so this probably my favorite so far um again i have to see the movie to really get a good sense and feeling of it but um those are kind of my thoughts on um some of these new star wars uh ships that we're seeing for this new movie uh again i'm hoping in uh, maybe in the new year after the movie comes out that uh I can go a little more in depth in this with uh, some of the other, uh, some of my other uh, people we've, or some of the other um, people we've had like Brian and, and Chris and Joe or something like that, um, like in the past and, and talk a bit more about these uh, ships uh, in the future and when we have some more details. Because um, yeah, I sure like to uh, discuss uh, kind of what we see in, um, what we see in this movie because it'll be a lot of fun biggest technological advance that has yet to happen to make a ship like the Orville possible will be what we call our quantum drive. That's how we define the propulsion system that allows our ship to travel faster than the speed of light. Engage quantum drive. 
Sometime in the last 20 years or so, a Mexican physicist named Miguel Alcubier came up with a theoretical way of how you could warp space so that space behind you expands and space in front of you contracts at speeds greater than the speed of light. And this was the first sort of theoretical demonstration that it was possible to build something like a warp drive. One of the things that will prove to be the key to doing this, if we ever manage it, is the creation of something called exotic matter. There are theoretical reasons to believe that there might be a form of matter that has what we call negative mass. So if you had like five pounds of this stuff and you put it on a bathroom scale, the scale would say minus five pounds. And negative mass, negative matter, has an anti-gravity effect. So it pushes on the space around it. And if you could make enough of this stuff, and organize it properly, you could create a system for stretching space behind you, shrinking it in front of you, and space itself can actually be expanded and contracted at speeds many times greater than the speed of light. And that's the key to building a warp drive. How far away? With quantum drive at maximum, six minutes, 21 seconds. If we can prove it exists, and if we can figure out how to make it, I'm 99% confident that someday a ship like this could be built using that as a propulsion system. That's a little interesting um, clip that uh, I, I saw on uh, YouTube about uh, the new show, The Orville, and um, that was one of the uh, producers, uh, Andre Bormanis, I think is his name. Um, he was talking a little bit about some of the science around the uh, Orville ship, and the technology that they're using is um, called a quantum drive. But uh, it sounded very interesting. And again, they're kind of using the um, same kind of premise as Star Trek has, where this is kind of some sort of um, warp drive, I guess, in a sense. And just like um, in Star Trek, where you're kind of warping space, um, their drive too, the quantum drive, is also... Um, warping space as well too it's kind of interesting um like i said i don't know a lot about um science like um so i'm, I'm sure a a person with a scientific background would um probably um have a better idea of it than i ever would and i'm sure there's probably lots of reasons why this wouldn't be pop possible or whatever or there might be like say this all might be kind of real theoretical type science there but it was very interesting how uh, he was uh, talking about, um, you know, this uh, this theory and using this type of um, exotic matter, I guess, in a sense, where you're you're creating this um, anti what was it antimatter, I guess, um, where you could stretch the space and then, like you say, I guess you stretch the space behind you and then compress it in front of you all at you know like a speed um you know far greater than light to propel the ship and i i found that uh that quite uh quite interesting um you know kind of um you know kind of uh these shows and um how they kind of they come up with this um kind of uh these theories and then they kind of wrap it around some science um again maybe this science is really not uh not really you know actual science which it could actually happen or at least not in, at you know in our day and age but uh really interesting that they kind of they take the time to kind of um 
come up with a, a theory that they have to kind of make me fill out their the Bible of their show or something like that. Again, I was kind of um, going on a bit of, in the, my talk about the Star Wars, how sometimes I kind of, you know, kind of feel a little disconnected from some of these ships because they're trying to, you know, kind of rationalize these ships too much. But that said, too, it's it's kind of interesting where, you know, they take some sort of science and then try and kind of work it kind of into their, you know, how they feel their you know, their show and their ship and all that, um, would handle this, uh, this type of space travel. Um, I'll talk a little bit as well now, you know, about, um, the Orville. Um, I just, I, I kind of, um, really want to talk about the Orville a little bit. Um, like say, cause, um, like, uh, Rico had that recent podcast where he, uh, shared his thoughts on the Orville and, um, I'll just share a few thoughts as well too. Um, I'm also, um, really enjoying this show. I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy that it's kind of an episodic type show, that it's not a serialized show. So each week I'm kind of getting a episode which has, um, kind of a, a story built into it and, that um at the end you know like say i've I've kind of gotten a conclusion on it and i've been really enjoying the show and then also to like say it's a real throwback to kind of um that next generation era star trek and um like say so i've really been enjoying it but um if i um approach it from a um from the ship i guess from a ship standpoint and the orville ship uh like say you know, I saw the ship, like, say, the first episode I saw it. Well, I, I saw the ship prior to that through the promotional stuff. But, like, uh, I really I really like this ship, actually. Like, say, it's it looks quite different than what we would be um, used to in uh, Star Trek, um, you know, you know, universe. Like, in it, like, say, it doesn't really have, like, the nacelles and, and you know, you have your kind of your saucer and your, your kind of main hull or whatever. Um, like say it's got a different design to it, but that said it, I guess it feels very Star Trek as well too. Maybe it feels, um, a lot like some of the, the, uh, alien ships that we've seen, uh, throughout the, uh, multiple different, um, series throughout, uh, the Star Trek. Like, um, maybe that's where, um, I can't really place a ship right now. That's in, in my mind that this kind of, uh, you know, matches up to maybe, a little bit, um, nah, like I said, I don't, worry, I don't really want to speculate or try and figure out, uh, like kind of where I can kind of place it. Maybe I'm just pulling a few different, um, you know, alien ships into it, but I really like this ship. And, um, like say, I, like, I'm hoping that, um, at some point, uh, someone will make some sort of model or, or just, uh, toy of it or or something uh i'm really hoping that uh, we'll get something like that um at some point Uh, i was just looking through a little bit of the details on the ship not a lot out there um so far um i guess it's um it's known as the uss orville and it's um i guess it's it's um registry number whatever is ecv-197 uh like say what else do they say they say it is uh Orville is uh, one of the fleet's 3,000 ships, um, has a crew of 300, has a quantum drive capable of speeds excess of 10 light years per hour, which is kind of uh, interesting or 
Um, 87,660 times the speed of light. Um, what else do we have here? Not very much uh, information in regards to the you know, technical specs on this ship. So I'm sure over time we'll get more, um, we'll get more details about this ship as the series goes along and, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I like as well too that, um, they, uh, also have, uh, they mentioned a couple of the shuttlecrafts and basically they got the kind of the same registry as the, uh, as the Orville, but it's just like ECB-197-1 and dash two. So it's kind of interesting that they, they basically just, uh, you know, tagging that along or just, uh, incrementing, um, the number or whatever. So, uh, interesting ship, um, like, uh, really uh looking forward to learning more about it um i like maybe that kind of smooth type kind of clean design maybe that that's a lot which draws me to it is it's got that real clean kind of uh next generation design to it that um you know i really um i really appreciate that um maybe that's where i really enjoy um star trek and i really enjoy star wars and I think a lot of times I take a lot of appreciation out of both universes' ships because Star Trek, I I really love the clean-looking, like um, very engineered-looking type ships that uh, the Federation has. I've always really, really liked that look. And then likewise with Star Wars, I really like, again, that um, really used-up, kind of thrown-together type kind of um ships that uh you know we see in um, star wars you know like things like the millennium falcon and all that kind of stuff like really unique looking type ships um i also like that too so i like both series give me like a different aesthetic and then like say on the star wars side like the imperials and all that the empire and i guess the first order now they all have you know more of these kind of military ships which might be more fall in line with um kind of what we might see in like real world kind of military type vehicles um you know like with um big battleships and um fighters and all that kind of stuff so i like you know like i like the aesthetics from both and i get something out of both and i think like say with the orville like there's just something very clean and um again like manufactured which really it really grabs out to me and uh, I really like this ship. I'm liking the, I like the shuttles too. The shuttles, like say, they're not much to them, but again, they have a very uh, Star Trek um, feel to them, which um find uh, real uh, comforting there. So I just wanted to take a few minutes to talk about my thoughts on, on the Orville. And um, I also really like that this show, and this will kind of be a segue into some of my discussion around the discovery because i want to talk uh, take a few minutes just to talk a little bit about um the uh discovery ship and what little bit more we know about it but um i really like that the orville is um they gave us a good a good look at you know the orville and the ships whereas in discovery one of uh I've really enjoyed Discovery, I'll say that. I enjoy it. Um, but one of my complaints from um, 
ship standpoint of view from the, the ships is I don't um, I don't really like that the show seems to be very dark. Um, the shots seem to be very quick, very tight, very close. Like we don't get those um, for better use of a term spaceship porn where we got like say nice wide angle. Um, hang on, you know, shots which hang on the ship there for a while as it, like, you know, as it um, moves by on the screen or something like that. We don't get that in um, in uh, Discovery. And um, so I find it kind of frustrating that it's just, like, I would wish they would showcase, like, these ships a bit more. And, like, say, it's also kind of dark and so tight that I'm getting... It's tough to get a good feeling on... on these discovery ships so to talk a little bit about i'll talk a little bit about discovery and um like a little bit more on kind of what we know about this ship uh, i've already talked about it a bit before in the past and um as the series has been going on we get in a few more details about it i i guess like um it's kind of been stated before like say it's a it's kind of based off a Ralph Macquarie type kind of concept. Um, like I say, I'm just reading a few details off of, uh, like I say, I think it's uh, memory, memory beta. There's memory beta and memory alpha. Like I say, two um, kind of wiki type kind of pages for Star Trek. And they um, say it, uh, it complements a crew of 136. It's got um, some armaments of uh, phaser arrays and torpedo launchers. It's got deflector shields. It's got a, um, I guess it's got your standard, um, it's got your standard, uh, you know, warp propulsion system, but then we also got this kind of this, um, this spore drive, I guess, and, um, which is the whole, you know, what the shows have so far been about, a lot of them is this, this spore drive, which allows, uh, the discovery to basically be almost anywhere they want in the universe in just a very short period of time um which is interesting i'm sure as this uh, series plays out we'll kind of see like why this never really uh shows up anywhere else i guess it requires quite a unique uh, way to navigate the ship as we've seen from the um first few episodes so i guess maybe that's that's the explanation there that the cost to actually navigate this ship just isn't possible i guess um without some extraordinary type circumstances i guess we'll see how this kind of plays out um recently they actually um kind of uh we kind of found out the um that the class of the ship is called the crossfield class and um i was reading a little bit and they said that it was kind of um what did they say? They came across this uh, this Crossfield class. Um, let me see if I can find the note here. Um, basically, it was based off of... Um, they say it's likely named after an American test pilot called Albert Scott Crossfield. So that's kind of interesting. Um, similar to, like, uh, I believe the um, Shenzhou and the Walker class. Uh, it was also kind of um, inspired off uh, some kind of uh, test pilot... Um, as well and that the uh, ship was uh has a sister ship as we kind of saw in uh, one of the episodes the uss glenn so 
Uh, the USS Discovery had the, uh, the its registry was NCC uh, 1031, whereas uh, USS Glenn was NCC 1030. And um, a little interesting um, kind of uh, note that I read was that the uh, 1031 uh, was uh, was picked because uh, Brian Fuller, who is uh, working on the um, show as an executive producer at the, the start and uh, developing, he picked 1031 as I guess he he likes Halloween, I guess, and that's the uh, that's the um, date of Halloween, I guess. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I also feel again, I'm hoping maybe it'll trend that way because um, this ship is kind of um, it's considered either it's considered either a uh, a uh, I guess it's either considered a a you know ship of war or it's a science vessel and i think its original um designation was that it was going to be this uh, science vessel with maybe some kind of uh prototype technology in it um which um you know lieutenant stamets was kind of working on but now it's been kind of uh pushed into into war and that it's a ship which has um a lot of capabilities i guess it, it has the ability to handle many different types of um, science type uh, science type kind of uh, undertakings. Um, like I say, it's got the capacity to handle uh, quite a lot of those types of uh, undertakings at one time. Um, so, like I say, I think its main um, purpose is is, is science, and uh, like I say, and it's you know. I thought when I, I watched Sirius, I was going like, wow, this seems like such a m much more advanced ship than like the Constitution class ships that, you know, like uh, Kirk, um, you know, and the Enterprise had. But um, it seems like maybe this ship is more of a prototype. And, you know, if you had to really take this thing into maybe a, into a larger war that maybe, you know, it... You know, like say, it just doesn't have the um, maybe the the firepower that maybe some of the larger um, you know uh, Starfleet um, ships have, and so maybe it's more better used for more covert type um, usage as we kind of sort sort of seen so far, and that's kind of the feeling I got. It's not really a big ship either, too. Again, we haven't gotten a lot of uh, details out of it, but just. Kind of looking off of like uh, memory alpha, they kind of indicate that it's got like 15 decks, and then the crew component is 136 um, people. Um, so again, it's not a it's not a very big ship, and so like I say, I, I'm guessing that it was probably again like I said more probably science. You know, it's got this uh, kind of the sport drive which they're trying to, or they were trying until they they found the tardigrade and then moved on to how they're kind of navigating it now so it's probably more again like a prototype or a ship they're working on um so like say so when you look at you know like it compared to like a constitution class ship and they made reference in one of the episodes like oh you know they're i think it was uh michael burnham was telling um you know uh you know ensign tilly or whatever you know like say if she wanted to you know move her career along that uh, getting posted to a uh, constitution class ship like the enterprise would be a good choice so i'm guessing that uh, uh 
like a Constitution class ship is, is probably a superior ship to this, minus that this has like a sport drive and maybe more, more prototype um, scientific and technological type um, um, things to it. But uh, like say. It's interesting as well too. They've kind of now kind of explained why you see those kind of those rings on the uh, saucer section, and rings are used to uh, kind of engage that uh, spore drive. So, it's it's interesting. I'm looking forward to learning more about this ship. Um, like say, I find it uh, an interesting ship. Um, like say, again, it looks quite different. Um, kind of one of my hopes is that maybe. What they'll do here is, I'm hoping that maybe at some point in time we'll see a Constitution class ship. It doesn't necessarily need to be the Enterprise, but I wouldn't mind seeing kind of a TOS era type ship um, in this series um, with, and this is kind of maybe a weird statement, like the ship can't, I'm sure the ship can't really look like what we remember of it from the 60s because it would look kind of dated, but I wouldn't mind seeing that ship kind of, you know, modernized a little bit to fit into this series so that we can kind of get a context of this ship and how it fits with, you know, you know, TOS era Trek, eh? And I wouldn't mind seeing that. And um, maybe next next season, maybe we'll get to see something like that. But I'd like to just kind of get a... Uh, I'd like to just feel like how this kind of how discovery and kind of what we're seeing there, how that fits into, you know, this prime track universe. And um, like, certainly I don't want them to go and take like uh, the Enterprise or another ship of that um, of that class and, and make it a lot different than what we know. But also I'm not opposed to them, you know, modernizing it somewhat um with my understanding that you know the original series was done like 50 years ago and that you know you got to modernize things but i would just like to maybe if they could kind of blend this series in a bit more into the time frame maybe it would make me feel a little more kind of connected to it um which also i found kind of interesting when i was doing some research on this um uh this kind of uh, discovery class, crossfield class ship was. Uh, they also made mention that um, in uh, the next generation, in the um, next generation, the unification episode, there was a brief glance of a um, ship with a similar type of Macquarie design to it, um, which was um, called the B dash twenty four dash CLN, and it was basically um, it looked like. A, TOS almost era type kind of ship with um it had like uh, your kind of your your known saucer section and then it had basically that triangular body and uh, nacelle struts and then the nacelles on that ship were more in line with the TOS era um enterprises and it was just a brief shot of it it was in some sort of kind of um it was in some sort of surplus area of uh, just broken down ships and all that. And they just kind of flew by it ever qu so quickly. And there's really like very little details on it besides a few screenshots. But um, it it has like that real Macquarie type of um, look to it. 
which almost makes me feel like maybe, you know, it's kind of almost like a very deep, deep kind of um, reach into uh, Star Trek that maybe that little shot of that ship, even though it's got more rounded uh, looks to it, was basically one of these uh, crossfield class ships or a few crossfield class ships that they had left over. Maybe they had tried the sport drives on these, as we'll see the story play out, and just just wasn't something feasible, and that then these ships were just surplused and uh, they didn't continue on with them. But it was it's really interesting to see that that's, this design has somewhat come up before in TNG, so it was a really interesting type of... Uh, kind of uh, thing that I, I sort of saw I'm going to touch as, as a little bit as well too on the uh, Klingon ships we only saw like a very brief and again not a, a not a large um, um, shot of the uh, Klingon ships like they had that episode where um, Lorca had gotten uh, kidnapped by the Klingons and uh, he was on a shuttle and got kind of picked up by a, a Klingon uh, D7 and uh, again, we did real tight shot, dark, um, real quick. We didn't really get a very good uh, look at it, but um, I saw a few uh, pictures online of some of the concepts of that uh, that uh, Klingon D7, and I have to admit, I don't like them. I don't like it, and you know, I'm. I'll be honest. I like say like I'm pretty open to these ships, but. Possibly my favorite ship of all time would be the Klingon D7 and the Katinga. And I look at this ship, I get it from what they're kind of doing. Because they've got kind of the style. You've got that long neck with kind of the bridge at the end. And you got your, your, the back of it, you got, you know, kind of where your, I'm guessing your kind of primary hull or whatever. And then you got your kind of, your nacelles on the side, but this just looks very ornamental, um, kind of falls in line with that sarcophagus ship, but it just doesn't have those kind of those angles and all that, that the uh, Klingon ships we saw in the, you know, TOS and really all iterations of Star Trek and the Prime Universe had, you know, the Contingua and some of the other ships, you saw some of the you know, kind of the, I wouldn't say decoration, but some of the detailing on, on those those later ships. Um, so these have got this kind of ornamental detailing on it. And I get it from a, a standpoint of, um, you know, it falls in line with that sarcophagus ship. But to me, it looks more almost like an artistic um, statement, more so than a, just a, a battleship. And to me, that kind of, that's just not the Klingons to me. And as well too, I just I so really like that design of the um of the uh of of the uh Klingon uh, ships from, from that era that uh I just will never warm up to this uh ship and um like I say I just I don't care for that, that ship, I guess is what I want to. And I don't wanna get all negative and all that kind of stuff, but um I wonder if we'll get to see, you know, I'm assuming we're going to see this, these ships more again throughout the series, um, and maybe some more wider shots or or hang on them a bit longer. But um, like to me, like I say, when they called it the D7, I was just expecting that this ship would be much more closer to the D7 of the TOS Center 
era than this what what I've seen and um I'll I'll include a link um to some of the pictures in the uh, show notes just uh so people are kind of uh know what I'm talking about here but just something about this design I just I just doesn't feel Klingon to me and like I say again I I hold that D7 and that Katinga ship so dear to my heart that um like I say anything else um from a Klingon standpoint would just fall short Here's the new Star Wars Death Star Space Station that you put together. Action figures each sold separately. Darth Vader's firing a laser cannon. It's been hit. He's after Luke. Take the elevator. Hurry. Now cross the light bridge. You won't escape me. Jump, Luke. Oh, no. The trash compactor. There's a trash monster. The wall's closing. Save. Kenner's new Star Wars Death Star Space Station. Action figures each sold separately. I'm going to end the podcast off here with uh, some uh, collectible talk. Um, try not to go too long on this because I don't want the uh, podcast to be uh, too, too long here. But um, I thought I'd just, uh, you know, touch on a few uh, collectible things, mostly uh, ship-related here. Um, like over the last couple of years, I found myself, um, um, like I say, I like to collect things. But I find, like, again, that uh, I really enjoy the ships. So I kind of like enjoy collecting the ships and uh, I've done some um, some talks before about some of the Diamond Select ships and from Star Trek. Um, like I say, they, they release those so, so infrequently. Um, it's hard to, uh, you know, it's hard sometimes to, you know, even keep the interest up because they're so infrequently coming out with ships. But uh, they'd come out with a um, Romulan, like a, um original series uh, Romulan ship. Um, earlier in the year and I got that and that's a nice ship and um they're working on a Reliant um is their next release uh, I'm not sure when that that'll be out uh, like say with uh, Diamond Select and those ships it uh could be like you know a few months from now or it could be like a couple of years from now I know this one's they've been kind of working on it for a while now so um like I say I'll look forward to it when it comes out um the only thing I have to say as much as I like the Diamond Select ships, and I complain that they don't seem to release that many of them. That said, they take up a lot of space, so it's hard to uh, hard to collect them if you want to start collecting um, more than a few. Um, hard to display them. So that said, um, uh, like I said, I guess I don't want too many because I just wouldn't have space to uh, put them. And also, too, like I say, I enjoy collecting those ships, but I found, like again, like over the past few years... I think I'm, I'm more drawn now to like uh, model building and um, building or even building uh, Lego ships. Um, there's just something about actually going and building building it and uh, something that you can show, something that you've done. Um, more so almost than just kind of uh, buying a, a toy or, or a pre-built model or something like that. And... Like a lot of the toys, I guess sometimes too, you know, you can get a toy of a ship, but a lot of times, um, you know, the detail isn't there for, you know, many multiple reasons, I guess. Uh, like say, you know, from a Star Wars toy sta- standpoint, you know, you can only fit a few figures in it. They usually make them for the three and three quarter inch scale figures. So, you know, you have your kind of limitations there and then you got to hit a certain price point and all that. So then usually the ship, ah, like say, usually there's, you know, you know they have to they had to take you know liberties on the ship to 
make it uh, the way they had. And so if you're looking for like a really good representation of like a Star Wars ship, then most likely you're not going to get that in a in a uh, Hasbro toy. And then they do make some of those kind of role play game ships and they look pretty nice as well too. Um, but they're at kind of a smaller scale and um, I've looked at a few and I have a few and for what they are, they're pretty good. Um, so it's kind of, I guess again, it's kind of what you want out of it, I guess. And I, I find that, yeah, those ships are, they're good and all that, but Again, I feel like maybe you're maybe they're on one hand I'm complaining that the Star Trek sh ships are too big, and then on the other hand I'm complaining these kind of role play game game ships are too small. So I guess maybe I'm looking for something in in the middle, and then so it's kind of where I've kind of gravitated towards some of these models, and um, like I've recently, um, like say over the past few years, I've been working more and more on building models and all that and the old model kits from like when I grew up and all that they always they never really fit very well and there was like a lot of work on like sanding them and filling them with seams and even then they weren't really good representations sometimes of the actual model but I've found over the uh, last few years that the quality on a lot of these models have really like increased and uh, like say when I went to the Star Wars Celebration uh, earlier in the year I I picked up a few and um, I built uh, like an A-Wing uh, and it was from a company called Bandai and that thing just fit together just so nicely. You didn't really have to do any sort of like seam work or anything like that and it just all fit in really nicely and they kind of come pre-painted so even if a person didn't want to take the time to paint the, the model up or anything like that, you could just kind of slap it together and you would have a really nice looking uh, model and a really nice scale. And, um, like I say, from a person who's been building models for the last few years, I've been working on a, like a lot of older model kits. So I hadn't really realized how well the fit on these newer models from some of these companies like Bandai and Ravel and Mobius and Round 2. And so it's just like, I was like quite impressed. And so it's just made me want to build more of these models. And I'm excited to see more of these models come out because like just putting them together they fit together so much more easier and they have so much better detail and like I say I just feel like you got something that you can really like have a nice dis display piece um, from it and um, one of the models that um, you know just recently got released by Bandai is like kind of their it's they're just they're premium type edition um, Millennium Falcon. They've got a 172nd scale. They call it perfect grade um, Millennium Falcon. And basically what they're stating is that this is like really meticulously researched and it's based off like a five foot miniature of the original model. It measures about 19 inches when it's built. And like say, they say this is like the premium Millennium Millennium Falcon if you're going to build it and I was looking at it and I go yeah that's impressive and I think I might have seen it when I was at Celebration and um, like I say so it's a, it's a really nice model it comes from Bandai but the thing is expensive it's like about 350 American for this model so 
it's one you'd have to take a real deep breath on. And for me, myself, I'm, I love building the models, but there's an intimidation factor when you're building a model which costs that amount of money that you, you really don't want to mess up on it. And uh, so it's just like, I, I see this model and I go, I'd really love to build it. But then I say, like, would like could I build a model that cost me 350 American? Could I build it? and have it look like I would want it to look like. So I look at it, it's incredible. Um, maybe someday down the road, um, if my skills improve, I'll give it a go. But um, for now, like I'm pretty happy building, you know, some of the lesser Bandai models. Um, like say, they're really great. I've got like some other studio scale models. I've got like an original series enterprise that I have kind of, uh, in, in my stack of, uh, models to build. And I've got like a few others, like a Jupiter two and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I'm really looking forward to getting at those models, getting to those, like say, still working through other models to improve my skills. But like I say, you know, just over the past few years to fit on these models, it's, it's just so much better. And so, and the details that they put into these things are incredible as well too. And I was, I was looking through like some of the upcoming model kits coming out and some really interesting models that they've got coming out. Like uh, I was looking and like they've got like some, you know, Mobius models. They've got a few interesting licenses. They're releasing some like 2001 Space Odyssey models. So they have one of, of the Discovery from that movie. And it's just like, wow, that looks that looks really great. And then I was looking at some other models, like um, they also had a, uh, a model, of, again, from um, 2001 uh, Space Odyssey. They had the Space Clipper. Uh, they had a model from that. And these are all kind of models which aren't as, um, they're not like $350 worth type kind of models, but um, nice, uh, nice, interesting models, um, like say. And then I was looking through and... Lots of Star Wars and Star Trek models are coming out. Um, they'll be coming out with, uh, like, say, Mobius is going to be coming out with a 1350 scale um, USS Franklin that we saw in the um, in the in the last uh, Kelvin Universe um, Star Trek movie, and it's just like, wow, that's that's kind of cool. And uh, like, say, it's not not really expensive. I think it's coming out probably probably later in the year or early next year um so like i say it's it's kind of cool with uh, some of these new new um uh all these model makers they're all kind of got these kind of different licenses and coming out with maybe some of the different ships that we historically haven't really gotten so something new to to build upon and uh like I say so like I say i'm kind of looking forward to some of these these kits and like i say like They've really stepped up their game, like the the Bandai's and the Ravels and the Mobiuses and the Round Twos. They've really stepped up the game on the model kits. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that. That like I've been kind of uh, really, you know, really into into building models. And uh, like I say, it's it's something that I, you know, I've, I've kind of started to direct a lot of my time towards. Another thing I just kind of wanted to touch base on before I end the podcast here was um, some other collectibles. Um, again, like I said, I kind of like to build my ships now. And over the past few years, too, I started like building more Lego ships. And I find, too, the Lego ships to be pretty satisfying. And they've kind of they've improved the details on these ships and the playability with these ships. 
as well. So they're kind of more true to kind of what you see on screen, but that, but as well too, they still got that Lego kind of feel to it with the Lego parts and all that kind of stuff. And um, one of the ships that they announced earlier in um, earlier in the year was um, Lego has what they call the ultimate ultimate collectors series, and um, like at least for the Star Wars line, they released. Um, you know, they release some kind of larger size ships and these are more kind of collect collector types ships and um they like say they release some um, they really usually release like maybe one or two a year and um just recently they um re released um or I shouldn't say they re released, but they released a kind of an updated version of the uh, Millennium Falcon because um, they had released one like years ago which was kind of uh, just a great set and basically this one improves upon it and uh this is just like a huge set this uh UCS Millennium Falcon it's it's the largest set they've ever released cuz it has like uh, over uh, 7500 pieces to it so it's a big big set and uh, I'm not sure if you've ever gone to the um Lego store but um the Lego store has uh a lot of they have at least the Lego store in my um, in my city, they had a display of this ship. And I was kind of on the fence on this ship. I was going, it's a lot of money. Until I went to the Lego store and I saw the ship and I was going like, wow, this is it's a big ship. And you know what? I think I want to get it. Um, and it's uh, what they say. They said it measured um, it's 8 inches high, 33 inches long, and 22 inches wide. So it's a big ship, eh? It's a big, big, uh, big, big ship for the uh, the Falcon. And um, earlier in the year, I built um, from Mega Blocks. I built a big kind of um, scale original series Enterprise, which is kind of um, uh, they kind of said it was kind of one three fiftieth scale. I'm not sure, but kind of would fall in line with kind of that um, Master Replicas Enterprise from a few years back that Rico owns. Like this, this Mega Blocks one is kind of that size. And then I was thinking, like, yeah, this this Millennium Falcon, to, like, say, when I saw it, that's a big ship. Eh? And, like, I'm never going to own, like, a Master Replica's um, Millennium Falcon. Um, but, like, say, maybe I can, you know, get this Lego ship. But it comes with a s steep, steep price tag because it's, I believe it's, like, 800 American and 900 Canadian. And when I saw it, I was going, like, that's just, i plain sticker shock. But I think also, too, that's kind of... How they market things now it's just like when the iphone x just came out um you look at the price on that and you go like whoa like you know i would never pay that much for a phone and like i wouldn't pay that much for a phone but but you know they release they announce it they say the price people have that first wave of like shock over the price and then i think not everyone but i think over time people will sit there and they'll just rationalize it in their head and sell it to themselves and i think that's what happened here with this millennium falcon in that they announced it what the price was i like said well there's no way i'd ever purchase a ship at that price but then the more you sit there and you look at that price and you think about it you more you kind of talk yourself into it and you know again i i really would not care to spend 900 dollars on a lego ship but that said, this thing looks impressive, and Lego allows you different 
ways as well too um, because you can buy other lego sets collect points then you can either use those points to towards other purchases so then you can save some money that said too you could buy this millennium falcon and then you would collect a certain amount of points and potentially you could almost buy this falcon collect a certain amount of lego vip points and then you could go and almost maybe get another lego set for free i guess in a sense so so you kind of rationalize it in those things so this is a set which is kind of like kind of on my radar again too they kind of market it the same way they market um you know iphones or some of these consoles that come out where they create this big giant hype on it and then oh we can't meet demand we can't meet the shipping demand on these things so then there's limited quantity on these things hey and then so that maybe that just creates that generates more desire um for the ships so anyways so this millennium falcon um ultimate collector series is like a really impressive ship which unfortunately comes with a really you know large price tag but um like when i saw it i was going to like say yeah this just feels like something i would really like and just it's something too i think i just really love the build on it too so it's it's something that uh definitely um i got my my eye on i'm kind of selling a few things to kind of build up some funds as well too to put towards this but it's it's something I, i'm kind of trending myself to and maybe just to kind of end off the kind of the lego talk lego is is an interesting company i know they're going through some maybe difficult times right now as people aren't buying as much lego as they were a few years ago but i really like that they kind of going into these different um different areas so um they have uh they have like kind of a series which they call kind of lego ideas where they kind of do kind of different type um i you know different type of sets and i think a lot of that comes through kind of just even interacting with fans and lego builders and all that to see like kind of what would you like to do and they got a couple interesting sets that they've kind of released recently and one is called the like the uh, nasa apollo saturn 5 and it's it's basically a lego build of the one of the nasa apollo uh um ships and it's just that's kind of cool eh? and it's just I, I was looking at it and uh it's like it's a, it's a neat idea that what what they they chose to do here and uh like I say, it's, um, you know, it looks like it comes out, you you can take it apart in the different, you know, stages of the ship, eh? Like, say, you know, the ship takes off and drops off part of it, and then it drops off the next and next. And like I say, it's it's cool that uh, they they have this uh, this ship out there, and I thought, well, you know, that's kind of cool. And like, say, like, I might possibly pick this up at some point in time. Like, say, it's not top on top priorities, but um, like, say, it's a an interesting thought and then they also recently um also released um kind of a smaller set um because the minifigs in lego are so popular um but they um released this this set of the woman women of nasa which is a recent set and then they've got like um they've got a few different um you know uh uh different ladies from nasa over the years um you know kind of um prominent ladies who worked on important um projects with nasa and it's cool in the sense that you know they're showcasing ladies working at nasa but also even just you know these nasa projects and maybe getting you know this 
this type of toy would reach out to like maybe some kids or younger people or people who might not necessarily um you know read a lot about like the space program or nasa or things like that and i find it interesting that uh you know this they made this set and uh like say it's a it's a it's not an expensive set it's a more cheaper set because it doesn't got a lot of pieces and all that and it's more focused on um, minifigs and all that but it shows like um you know four kind of important ladies or pioneering ladies in nasa and some of the projects that uh, they worked on like a lady worked on the on the hubble uh, project and then and another couple of ladies they worked on like um, the space shuttle um, program and so they have like a little like lego build of like the space shuttle and then the minifigs of these ladies and uh, i found that that was a really unique uh, idea and i'm kind of looking forward to what other things they um they do with this lego ideas um you know series and um where they take that and like say i just you know i thought it was so interesting i just wanted to mention it on the podcast anyways i've kind of rambled on here so i think it's time for me to uh to uh bid everyone a great weekend or a great day whenever you're listening to this podcast um thanks everyone again for uh taking the time to uh to listen to the podcast today and um hopefully uh hopefully it wasn't uh too boring or whatever but uh thank rico again for uh allowing me to uh, guest host and um i wish everyone the best and uh talk to everyone soon uh thank you and um take care <laughs>